Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TWIP, This Week in Photography. And uh, we're spread out a little bit. We've, we're in the Podango studios today, so uh, we're, uh, it's very exciting. Uh, we haven't done one here before. So. Nope. First time ever. Yeah, so th- there you're hearing, of course, the Scott Bourne from Podango and, uh, and many, many other things, actually. Howdy, hi. And uh, also here, uh, we brought my brother Joe back, Joe Lindsay. Hey, hey Joe. There. How's it going? What did we bring him back from? The brink? Did we bring him back from the, the brink? The brink. The okay. brink. It was rest. Yeah, we, he's, uh, he's, he's got his hands in his pockets now. He's not scratching so okay. much. It's okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then also we've got uh, in New York, we've got Steve Simon. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. How you doing? Very well. And uh, so um, we've got a little bit of news um, from a couple different directions. Uh, first, in the general photography news, uh, we have uh, Polaroid announcing end, the end of film production in 2008. Now, wait a minute. How can that be? End. Who would have ever predicted that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they hung on this long. I know, but the only oh. thing that I, I, I really attach to is the SX-70. I understand. You know, that's the... Uh, um, There'll be a, a... Believe me, there will be a, a big market on eBay for Russian versions of the SX-70 film. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually looked. I still have like four packs of Polaroids. I lost the camera. <laughs> but I got some Polaroids. You'll be able, to buy, I'm, I'm, I'm ver- to, you'll be able to buy the Russian version of that as well. Eddie. Yeah, exactly. So now, now, what do you think of all of this? So how, how long does film have to, to go, period? Well, I want to ask Steve Simon this question because he's a lot closer that, to that than I am because he's there in New York with like all the hardcore purists. I, I, <laughs> I don't think film's going to ever die, but I don't know. It's uh, film, paper, all that stuff. Steve, we, we've had some correspondence about this. What do you think? Yeah, well, I tell you what, I think maybe um, part of my indication uh, is when I go down the street to B&H Photo, which is uh, my happy place, and I guess, have you guys been there? I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, liked, I, I really don't like to call it B&H. I like to call it Mecca. <laughs> Although, I, I, given who owns B&H, I'm not sure that, that might be That kind wouldn't of, work. That, so that well. really wouldn't work. No, well, but, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I remember when I you know, moved to New York in 2000, that uh, film counter at the far uh, end of the store was long lineups and uh, it was always busy and you know you can see as digital uh, started to um, uh, get uh, uh, bought by everybody you know you can see the film counter shrinking down to the point now where you know it's it's really kind of a, a shadow of its former self and I think a lot of people thought that film would be around um, you know in their lifetime but now you know with the the death of Polaroid and I think I mentioned to you guys, I, I think there's only two manufacturers of black and white f- uh, paper, you know, for traditional darkroom printing left in the world. Right. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's moving a lot faster. So and, I, and labs are going away at record rates. I mean, as um, recently as the mid-90s, early 2000, there were something like seven times the film labs, professional film labs in the United States there are now. Well, one of the other things that's interesting, I know in the film area, I mean, in the, in the motion picture uh, area, one of the things that was pointed out was that, uh, for instance, Kodak, uh, they, of course, sell. And you think, well, they're selling this big 35 millimeter and so on and so forth to uh, the big studios. They're, they're going to be around for a long time because those studios are committed. But really, they make most of their money, of course, on the lower end of the pyramid. So they're making most of the money by aspiring, film, from, uh, aspiring filmmakers, from people who are um, doing it at home. And all of that is pretty much dried up. If you're an aspiring filmmaker, you don't think about film anymore. No, no. Well, you know, in context with this, both Nikon and Canon in the last week or so announced nearly record profits for the previous quarter. Right. So think about that. They're selling more cameras than ever, and those cameras don't require film. Right. So, you know, there's that, that... missing piece is putting the film companies in a hurt. I mean, when I went to BMA in Las Vegas, I went to the Fuji booth, which was monstrosity size. And there's a little teeny glass case that was standing over in the corner that had the film in it. 
Right. You know, and it was like almost like, oh, it's it's kind of like, like a film, museum. It's like the film museum, <laughs> you know, and everything yeah. else was digital point and shoots and printers. And there was like, oh, yeah, and we still make film. Right. You know, it, it, I'm not rooting for it to go away. I don't have anything against film. I haven't personally used any film since I bought my... Uh, Okay, gotta, we get we get letters if I say these things wrong. I have to, have to <laughs> calm down. If I bought my D thirty, mm-hmm. not my thirty D, right? My Canon D thirty. When I bought that, I stopped using film. So whenever the D thirty came out, I can't remember, but it's been years ago. I haven't used film since. Now, you know, I gotta admit, lately I've been hankering to do some panoramic photography, and that's not affordable in digital unless you do you know, multiple captures and stitch. And right. so, you know, all the panoramic cameras, the wide lux, the the Hasselblad X Pan, the you know, the the Linhoff Technica, the, you know, all these cans and the the Noblex, they all take film. Right. So, you know, if you want to do something special like that, you're going to need film. Although I have to say, I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to, I'm, be, I'm working on a movie actually for, uh, not next week, but the week after on panoramic shooting. And I have to say that the Photoshop tools now. Oh, I, I know. And it's not know, a problem to make them. It's just for me, it's a visualization thing. Right, right, right. When I can see it in the camera. Right. But we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get too one, uh, off topic. Well, I was going to say one interesting thing that uh, Alex brought up about the film industry is also there was a similar thing when uh, the music industry when Quantigy that makes the two-inch reel-to-reel tape uh, said that they weren't going to make reel-to-reel anymore and everybody kind of freaked out and everybody was so positive that that was going to be it for analog recording. But there was such a huge backlash that someone ended up buying that company. It makes me wonder about when companies are... Well, I, I still don't think Close film will doors. be dead because mm-hmm. there's, keep in mind, there's always that contingent of people, you know, the folks that wear berets <laughs> that make everything hard because that makes it somehow better. They'll, you know, they'll say, well, I got my, got my glass plates out and I'm working on making my, my image. And so the, somebody will be there to buy it. But, well, and, and I think that, I have to admit, I, there are times when I'm shooting digitally that I really wish I was shooting film. You know, it's it's it, films a much more forgiving medium. You know, I think that's one of the big things is that you some film. Uh, the target not not slide not, film. No, not slide film. But I, if you're shooting negative film, right? You you yeah. you, ha- you can you have a large a wide range a big target to hit like twelve stops. Yeah, exactly. Just get it anywhere in the ballpark. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, that's part of what I, I enjoy about it. And there is something fun about the analog uh, process. Yeah, I, I was having this conversation last night where I realized that I. I missed having that sense of gratification whenever I actually got a good shot on film. You know, when I was in the dark room looking at my contact sheet, and then I remembered all of the times, all of the contact sheets that I had were just ruined, just terrible photos, because I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. So at the time when I was learning in high Me, school. Me, I love the smell of fixer in the morning. <laughs> Dectol. I like. The fi- I don't like the fixer, but the Dectol is okay. chocolatey. Now, also on the news, uh, we, you, you may have heard at the beginning of this show, we have some new music. Um, this was actually supplied by one of our uh, one of our our listeners, uh, Scott Canizero, and uh, he did a great job. And great. And everybody that's been complaining because we don't have music, you'll have to find something else to complain about because now we have music. Exactly. So and it's uh, really good. Yeah, it's very very well done, and we we uh, very much appreciate Scott's uh, enthusiasm and work. It's fantastic. Uh, also. Uh, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do is find things that people are uh, posting on in the delicious uh, forums or the delicious uh, lists. Uh, it, once again, we'll talk about this a little at the end of the show, but if you want us to see something, you can go up to uh, delicious and tag it, uh, Twip Photo, uh, or, I'm sorry, Twip Ideas, um, and uh, so you just put that tag in. We're going to do a little video on how to do that in the next couple of weeks. Good idea. Uh, but, the, um, but if you post it there, it's one of the things that, that as we're prepping the show, we're looking through those lists and trying to uh, uh, find uh, good links and good tips. Um, and uh, one, one of the ones that we found that was really great is um, uh, www.lighting-essentials.com. Uh, it's it's a great. There's lots of little tutorials, little how tos of all kinds of different lighting and photography, and it's just a great great website to just kind of check out. Should we make this our photo website pick of the week? We should. We should have like several running deals. Like this should be. Yep. We should have like a website pick of the week. We should have yep. our gear pick of the week, like we do over at MacBreak Weekly. Right. So, so why don't you guys send us some some ideas for uh, photo website picks of the week via. Via, via delicious so delicious is a great way to do it and uh, and once again if you subscribe you can do of course an RSS on just that list and you can see what everyone's posting for us even if we don't talk about it on the show so it's a great place like Flickr to have the community kind of just watching what's going on so uh, the collective consciousness uh, we, the uh, Borg 
the Borg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, we have uh, we have a winner for the Flickr challenge. Yeah, let's. Um, I, I want to get Steve in here because Steve was instrumental in helping me um, sort through this. Uh, Steve, the, the winner was the Traveler, and I know that you really liked that image. And I was wondering if you wouldn't spend a few seconds uh, talking about it, why you liked it. Well, I tell you, you know, we we talked about motion, and and that image was. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, it was just, you know, it, I think often some of the best color images don't have a lot of color, at least a, a lot of varying color. It's very kind of red and orangish and walking into the light. And, uh, you know, it's kind of an icon for a lot of things. I just thought that the lines of that image really captured the whole motion idea that we put forward. And, you know, even, even with the main character being slightly off-center, and you can see people maybe walking from the other end of the tunnel, I thought it was a beautiful image. And it was tough. There was so much good stuff there. I was very impressed. That's a comment I definitely want to hang my hat on, because I agree. It was, it was very tough. There were very good images. Motion was the theme for our first uh, assignment week. And uh, that, that image was selected by me, Steve, because of the impact. I'm a guy that's a sucker for impact. You know, I'm especially one of the things that's easy for me as I'm critiquing or judging photos, looking at something like Flickr, where there's a bunch of photos on the page. The way I work is the one that just grabs my attention right away is the one I start with and that one just hung on to me and uh, also was innovative the way if you read the story of how the image was made Mm -hmm. you know the thing is you know i've seen um you know some of the big contests in in let's say the photojournalism world like world press they literally go through thousands and thousands of images and it's all about that first impression scott like you said i mean if you have to think about it, and it's kind of sad in a way because there are images that are a little more subtle that sometimes get passed over when really, you know, they shouldn't. But in these kinds of competitions, um, you know, you've really got to grab someone's attention right away, uh, grab the viewer's attention right away with whatever you submit. And the runner-up was a water droplet, which was also a very nice image um, catching a water droplet kind of in, in, in the moment, and it had a nice blue color to it. One, interesting that both of the images we selected uh, had very impactful, strong colors um, as their key. Absolutely. And, and one overriding color that kind of dominated the image. Um, but yeah, that, those water droplets, I mean, ever since we saw Harold Edgerton, you know, stop the bullet and stop the milk drop, I mean, it's always amazing to see because that's what photography does. We can't see that with the human eye. Only through photography can we see that kind of stop motion, and it's, it's fascinating. Well, everybody did really do a great job. We had about 100 entries, which I thought, you know, for a brand new podcast with a brand new uh, thing happening, that was well, well uh, attended. And uh, in case you haven't heard, we, we do have this Flickr group going. A very quick, fast-growing Flickr group. It's like 700 people now. Yeah, it's, it's it was like off, 300 yeah. people last week. Right, right. And That's we amazing. have about 700 people, and we welcome you to join it. You just get a free Yahoo sign-up and go do the thing. It doesn't cost you anything. You can pay if you want a pro account, but you don't have to. Right. And we also have a discussion forum there, mm-hmm. which is like any discussion forum anywhere you've ever been to on the web. Uh, we do moderate it, but uh, we let, let the users do most of the policing. And so far, I've only had to close one thread that was a little off topic. And no, nobody's been nasty. We appreciate that. Uh, you know, keep it clean. Be nice. Try to be helpful. Don't be snarky. But if you have questions, get in there and, and talk about it. And, and i got to stop right now and say this. Uh, we got a lot of email about the contest. Thank you very much. And we're getting a lot of email in general. Yeah. A whole bunch, which we like, but I do need to point out that it has simply gotten so big so fast, there's no chance that, you know, that we can answer every email yeah. personally, because right. now it's in the hundreds. Right. And, uh, you know, poor Steve, he's got a day job. He can't sit there and answer. <laughs> you know. He's trying to save up money for a D, uh, you know, a, a, a D3. A D3. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, exactly. you know. Um, so, you know, please don't be offended if we don't directly respond to you, but, but, you know, we will read every email, that we promise you, and we'll take into account what you suggest. And, and if you, you know, if you want, go ahead and post some of these questions on the Flickr discussion forum, which, by the way, is searchable. You can add topics at your leisure. That, you know, get our community involved, because we really want to build a community here. And you can also leave comments on our blog, which is at twipphoto. Dot com And that community is also quite active. And I see the podcast and the blog really as being one yeah. entity together. We, we do the podcast once a week, 
but we do the blog every day. Right. So, and I do have linked, uh, guys, I do have linked these two images that we selected for the photo assignment, and we announced next week's, which is going to be Rock. Do you have any, any more description? Rock. rock. <laughs> Anything's rock got and roll? Anything's got rock. Uh, you know, whatever your interpretation would be of rock, keep it kid-friendly. And you have uh, until next week to, to post the images. You can keep posting images after the competition's over, right. of course. Now, I did get some questions from people. Can we post old images? Yes, you can. But the spirit of this is that you might go out this week and make an image because, um, you know... We're, we we all shoot quite a bit. Um, you know, Steve, you'd probably agree. Go, going out and handling your camera every week is really important to maintaining your skills. You know, that's the one thing that if you want to improve your, your photography, you just have to do it. And even if you didn't want to improve by just going out there and shooting, you're going to get better. And, and that's there's no substitute for it, really. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity to kind of, you know, get a little kick in the butt to get out there with a theme and really start to open your eyes. Yeah, so the spirit of this is we'd like you to go out this week. But feel free to enter. If you have any, an old image you really like, feel free to enter it. I threw up uh, on the blog an image I made in the lower antelope corkscrew, lower antelope corkscrew slot canyon um, on Navajo land near Page, Arizona. And that place only has like light for like 20 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, and like it's that? like 130 feet deep. So the light isn't, uh, the exposure I made that's on the blog is five minutes. Right. Oh my goodness, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah, five-minute exposure. How, how, how hard is it to get down there to shoot that? It, well, when I went down, it was real hard. <laughs> I went down right before the flood, and you had to really traverse a series of like, you know, 100-year-old Indian rope ladders right. oh. <clears throat> with all of your gear, and it was kind of dicey. I mean, it's very narrow, three feet wide. There was a tragedy, unfortunately, the week after I left. Um, there are flash floods come through the area, and the water moves there, there at 700 miles an hour, and a bunch of German tourists were unfortunately killed. They closed oh. the canyon for a while, but now they've built a much easier system to get down into the canyon. Now, there's the upper canyon, which most people go to, which you don't climb down into. You simply walk through, right. and I can recommend that to anybody that wants a similar experience but doesn't want to work so hard to get the imagery <laughs> at the lower canyon. <laughs> but I use that image because that's rock, right. and it's, but it's kind of a, if you look at the blog, you'll see it's kind of an ethereal image. Whatever you're in interpretation is of rock put it up there and just like this week's winner we'll give a free copy of my book 88 secrets to selling and publishing your photography to the person that has what we consider to be the best image very good and if you have uh, and if you have suggestions for themes we've already got next week's theme lined out we're not going to tell you what it is because once again that would violate the spirit of getting you to go out next week and shoot it but uh, for future weeks if you have any suggestions for theme let us know yeah definitely and people can once again if you want to email us you can just go you can do it straight from the blog yeah we do have the email contact form and everybody appears to know where that is because <laughs> we're getting a lot of it yeah, yeah, yeah it was, a lot of it uh, it, it's, yeah. it just keeps on kind of ratcheting up so uh, well and I'm not sending you all I, the ones that are duplicates I'm not making you read right, because right. you know like 12 people ask the same question right, right, oh, right. oh and I gotta do this right now I'm sorry what's the number one email question I get what would you think it would be uh, well I know what it is but you told me anyway. I you? think I know what it is. What do you think it is? What is it? What kind of digital camera should I buy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I've got, now count them, 103. Wow. Scott, that, I want to do blah, 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 and I'm thinking about this, right. and which camera should I buy? We cannot answer that question. We, we did get a, a good question here that I have in the, in the list here of, of someone who kind of asked about in what ranges should yeah. I be thinking about, about stuff? So, uh, I mean, we would have to, you'd, you know, each person, the answer is going to be different. I right. mean, I think what we really should do is collectively, like, work on an article that tells you how to pick a camera. Right. What things to consider. But the good news is, and if you guys disagree, let me know. I think there's no bad cameras for sale anymore. Well, that's yes. hard to find. Yeah, any yeah, no, new I, camera is pretty good, right? It's the wonder of, of uh, capitalism and uh, competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, Steve, do you know any bad cameras out there? Not really. They're just bad people. No bad cameras. But, uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I know it's frustrating for people because, yeah, they want to be, yeah, go get this one and you're going to become a, a really good photographer. But, I, you know, you're totally right. Any of the major manufacturers that are still out there in business, are, are doing so because they're producing uh, 
very good quality uh, uh, camera. Yeah, so my, uh, you, you can't really go wrong. As frustrating an answer as that is for people who want to be told, go get this one. I uh, I had a, a friend of mine, Ian McCaig, who's a who's a character designer for Star Wars, and and uh, he always said that if uh, if he saw an artist start to complain about his brushes. He knew he wasn't a very good artist. Well, you uh, know, and I use the analogy that I, I, I can go buy Titleist golf balls and, and uh, Nike golf clubs and a Nike hat, and I still can't hit a ball 300 yards down, down range like Tiger Woods. Right. You know, it's not the gear. Uh, yeah. the, the gear is just a tool, and a carpenter has a different hammer for driving small nails and huge nails. And, right. you know, some of us have multiple cameras because we have one tool for maybe wedding photography and a totally different tool for wildlife photography. And Steve has tools for, you know, on-the-go photojournalism in places like Africa. So there's just no simple answer to this. We will try to talk about things, you know, in general. But, you know, the thing is, we know what we shoot. I mean, Steve shoots right. Nikon, so we, we do have an oddball here in the group. <laughs> you know, although although we may all become oddballs. We're, 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 we're all, we're <laughs> all like ah. D3, and we're all like, I want to be an oddball. Yeah, we're all being like... Call, I'm getting email. You know, you're all a bunch of Canon suck ups. It'll be funnier than heck if we all switch to Nikon. And then there'll be you're all a bunch of Nikon yeah. suck ups. <laughs> uh, you can't you can't win. I mean, yeah. it's that the D3 has been it's holy just moly. Well, we, we, let's not go too far there because we got we got somebody's going to review that next week. Right. So we'll and, talk and, about that. But we just know the build, building up towards it. And when you, there's lots of if you just go up to the web if you just go up to the web and you and I think Rob Galbraith has some great. Uh, Rob always has good stuff. He's, he's got some great stuff where there's multiple photos of different ISOs. And wow. I mean, even at 20, 25, 600, it's usable. Yeah, but it's 25,000. At, at, 20, at 6,400, it's printable at 16 by 20. Yeah. 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 That's what's amazing. Yeah. And how yeah. far are you in your piggy bank, Steve? How, how is, like, is there like that 50% line or the Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going on a trip uh, in the beginning of March, uh, back to Rwanda, and uh, you know Nikon has their NPS loaner program. Oh, so I've managed, I've managed to score a D3 until my uh, accountant will allow me to get one. So I'll let you guys know once I've I've oh. used it. But I know I'm not going to be disappointed. For those who don't know, NPS stands for Nikon Professional Services. Canon has a similar branch, and if you are a pro. You join, they send you a little card, and then you can call up and say, hey, I want to borrow this lens, and they, they send it to you, and you got to send it back. And um, they also guarantee quick turnarounds on repairs, et cetera. So if you're working as a pro and you're using one of those two brands, you might want to look into that. But anyway, we look forward to that report, Steve. And Scott, just, just so you know, Pentax, I think, has announced also a professional kind of loaner-type program. It's about so, time. Yeah, they're getting into the mix as well. Yeah, I look forward to it. We've, we've been getting a little bit of hate email because we haven't been talking much about Pentax, but probably a good thing to mention here would be, A, we don't have any Pentax cameras, so therefore right. we can't talk about them. B, we don't have any relationship with the folks at Pentax. And C, their PR people haven't returned our call. So uh, <laughs> if uh, you have a Pentax camera and a Pentax fan and you want to hear more on Twip Photo about uh, you know Pentax, get on the phone and tell them to call us. Right. Exactly. So we uh, we had a we have a question that actually comes up internally a lot, and uh, we thought we would bring it up. Especially, uh, uh, this is really a question for Steve, but also for uh, Scott and everyone else here. Is uh, one of the the issues, and Joe Joe and I were talking about it here, is shooting people. So the question is, is really the street rules? So I'm against it. You're against <laughs> shooting people. I'm against shooting people because you like it causes deer. death and dismemberment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a lot of us uh, we love you know obviously. People are great subjects. Uh, we like taking pictures of those. But what are the rules when you're shooting? Um, you know, when you go to like a world, uh, uh, the um, world press photo or whatever, and you see all these photos of of kids and and people on the street and all these things. What are the rules? What can and can't they shoot? Uh, what can and can't they sell? Uh, what are the what are the guidelines for when we're out on the street shooting shooting anything? You want to go first, Steve? Well, sure. I, I think, you know, from a legal standpoint, when you leave the door of your house and you're out in public, um, I think you lose, well, legally, I don't, don't think, you lose your sort of expectation of certain privacy. So, for instance, if Alex takes a shot of Scott, who has just left his, his apartment and, 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 and it's a nice, interesting street shot, uh, that's fair game, even if Scott didn't really like that. But if, if, if Alex uses that picture in any way that can be used, can be construed as advertising, that's when everything sort of changes, and then you could be in some sort of uh, legal trouble. So then it's um, the advertising, it's not the 
Right. Yeah, it's, it's not, not the actual that photo or anything. That's right. That's right. Although I will tell you that um, things have blurred, and in France, you know, arguably the birthplace of photography, um, it was illegal uh, to do any street photography because there was a case where someone took a picture that ran in an editorial small newspaper and ended up uh, suing for because they didn't give permission to to have their picture um, published and won. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, and you can see that happening more and more as people get very nervous about, you know, what's going on and where their images are going. So, but I mean, here in the United States, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's fair game. And, and the one other point I'll bring up, there was um, a photographer, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. He took, he set up a flash in Times Square and took these random pictures of people as they walked by and his print sold for $10,000. And the, the person in one of these pictures, happened to be a um, Hasidic uh, rabbi, uh, sued him. And the judge threw it out of court because he said, well, this is art photography and you, you can't sue for this. He has the right to make these images. So, you know, it's, it's all over the place. But I would suggest, yeah, just keep shooting. And it, it seems that um, taking photos of kids in public, though, is a little... Is a, a little uh, it might get your more butt sensitive. kicked, but it's right, legal. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. There's really two questions here. There's a difference between taking a picture and then what you do with it. Right. You know, in almost every case, you can take the picture. If it's for your own personal use, there's almost no exclusion for taking the picture. Now, there right. might be some small town in the South that has an exclusion about taking pictures of children on this street. I mean, each city uh, can make its own ordinances. I don't know that they would hold up in any real court, uh, but... You know, I did hear, of, and I use that example because I did hear of some little town in Georgia that tried to make it illegal to take pictures of kids because of child predators. Right, and, right. and then it came out that there were actually no child predators within 500 miles, and that was just <laughs> a little bit of oversensitivity. But um, you can take the picture. What you do with it in terms of publishing it becomes really critical. But I agree with Steve. If, if somebody's in public, and particularly if they are not on private property, if they are on public property... Uh, you know, every case I've read and, and the risks that I would take as a photographer is I would shoot that photograph with 100% impunity. I'm not giving legal advice because I'm not a lawyer. I'm telling you what I would do. I would take that picture all day and if someone told me I couldn't, I'd still take it. <laughs> because if they're in public and I'm in public, I agree with Steve, they're fair game. If they're on private property, depending on where they are, for instance, if they're on private property outside their house but inside their secluded yard and you used a helicopter to get the shot there might be some questions about that as an invasion of privacy but certainly anybody in public including children it would be fair game to use it commercially you have to have a model release right yeah scott i just want to jump in because you know the idea of kids i mean when i worked at newspapers years ago it was kind of okay to 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 photograph children but i don't think today i would ever um, go in and start photographing children without first talking to a parent that's close by. I just I think I completely agree just, with you. I'm just talking about the legalities of it. Oh, fair enough. And you know, the other thing too is stock photographers. Their pictures are useless unless they have a, a model release. And, right. and, and, and Alex, that's, I, that's in public or not? Yeah, and, and Alex, I know you've worked a lot in Africa. I mean, I never get a model release. I just can't. I don't feel comfortable asking someone to sign this legalese paper. For the most part, you know, there's an understanding with the people that I'm working with, and, and they know exactly what I'm doing. It's not necessary to do that. I'm not going to take these images and sell them as, as advertising. Do you ever uh, get model releases? You know, we, when we started, we didn't. And now we actually tend to. Um, it, it seems silly. Although in Zimbabwe, for instance, the, the, the English literacy rate is well over. Over seventy-five percent, and so uh, so most of the time when you're taking pictures of someone, they can they can read it. And what we found was that some of the Zimbabwean artists, the the stone sculptors specifically, uh, uh, some of the larger ones, they probably read our talent release more critically than anybody anybody had ever handed a talent release to. <laughs> uh, they really understood what they were what they were signing away there. The um, and they still did it. They were fine with it, but they, there was a lot of questions. The uh, when we're when I'm just shooting behind the scenes, I don't really worry about it. If I think I'm gonna, I might want to use that later for anything, uh, especially advertising or or um, those types of things. I, I I have a little um, you know a pocket full of those simple talent yeah. releases that I just have someone sign uh, away. And, and it depends on it. Also depends on who you might make those available to. If if you're putting them up on Flickr, of course, you don't really need to worry about it. Although, I, did you see the problem that? Uh, 
that happened with oh, I can't think of the ad agent. The the there was an ad. It was it was in Australia, but it was a picture taken that was put on Flickr. Now the photos are covered under Creative Commons, but of course the model release is not. And so uh, so they just went up. Literally, the ad agency grabbed something off of Flickr, and uh, and uh, put it in the ad. And and uh, uh, and the the girl who was in it, her parents were um, peeved. Yeah. Well, we can have a whole show on on just model releases and right. just this sort Maybe of thing. Maybe we will in the future. And, yeah, and we probably should. And this is and this is something that you know when you, that's why people go to a stock photography uh, right. uh, website. And and uh, by the way, speaking of stock photography websites, we're we're actually working uh, this week with iStock Photo, um, which is uh, which is something that we've been doing. iStock Photo has been um, advertising across the. The um, the Mac break stuff, if you the great video ads, and um, and we actually use uh, a lot of iStock Photo for uh, the stuff we need for the web, for the st- the stuff that we need for presentations. Uh, a lot of times, when you're doing when you're an ad agency, you want to have very specific control and and uh, have only a handful of people using it, or you want to have uh, stuff that a lot of people haven't used. And so the expense is actually sometimes a feature, three or four hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for a for a photo. Uh, an iStock photo is closer to you know two or three dollars uh, for five dollars, as low as one, as low as one dollar. And uh, so when for a lot of the stuff, when I'm doing presentations, uh, you know, building them for MacWorld or whatever, if I need a, a picture of something now, uh, that's where you know that's where I just run up there and grab a photo. And uh, if you're if a photographer, you can sell your pictures there. And there's some photographers making a lot of money selling pictures. Uh, uh, iStock Photo has it actually ha- it it is the world's highest volume image market um, for photographers or video. And there's also video HD SD <laughs> um, uh, for people who are excited about their work and learning to learn, contribute, and get paid. Uh, that's it's an option. Also uh, for designers and photographers, as I said, it's a lot of great images. Um, the contributors make about forty percent uh, of of, um, of each image and video they sell, and um, there are some that are, as I said, quit, quitting their day job. You know, they're making making good money doing this, and uh, it's some, you know for for me, I've started to post some stuff on iStock Photo. I just you know some you know we, we're playing around with putting video and. and Did you get a model release from your son? <laughs> from, I haven't put my son on, on iStock Photo yet. I'm, I'm talking to my wife about He's it. Cute I'm enough. like, He's well, cute we, enough. the argument is, he is could that be a big seller. I know. Well, we well we were talking about having him actually be a model, um, and uh, one of the things that. Uh, uh, we've been considering is you know that's his college education. So if we start putting some of his photos, do up, it now before he gets his own agent. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. I'll, be, I'll have to go into negotiation. So, uh, so you know, like I'm three years old, they tend to have their own agent now. I know, so. I know, I know. And he's he's a pretty laid back kid. I'm thinking he'll be okay. I think uh, we'll uh, um, you know duo right there. But uh, anyway, so if you. Uh, <laughs> Um, if we have a little uh, a deal for our listeners, and some of them may be new from the from coming over from iStock Photo, they're doing running an announcement in conjunction with this. Um, but for uh, for anyone new to iStock Photo, you get twenty percent off uh, your first order there. So if you go to iStockPhoto.com/twip. Um, you can uh, you can get twenty percent off, and for all the listeners, uh, you can save on your larger sized images from iStock Photo. Uh, they're spring up. Uh, sale gives you one, two, or three credits off um, uh, large XL or XXL uh, size photos through uh, March 23rd. So uh, it's a good deal. Uh, definitely check it out. And we, we're you know excited to have, uh, have uh, be working with iStock Photo there. So the uh, uh, we have a, 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 a group of listener questions. We thought we'd uh, yeah out of the hundreds we received, we picked a couple. We, we picked a handful. I mean, it, it is kind of you know shoot you know you just kind of put your hand in and grab grab out of the flow. Oh, one, one question. I thought this one was pertinent because of the, uh, um, because you had, uh, Scott had posted, I said you, and then I'm looking yeah. over it. I'm it, looking it's at like Scott. radio. You got it. You got I got to do, I got to, I, I actually, <laughs> Scott um, reviewed the G9 yes, I um, on the blog. So there's a very detailed uh, uh, review on the blog and, uh, and overall you're very positive. Very positive. And one of the questions that we had uh, from Bradley uh, Rothblatt is um, your opinion on the Canon SD870? Okay, well, I individual models of all the various Canon cameras, of which there are now 12,319 different Canon compact models, I think. They come out with a new version of each camera every day. I don't have any experience with that particular one, but I've used many of their other compacts. They're all very good. The thing that the G9 does better than anything is, is that you know it shoots a really nice raw image at 12 megapixels. And there's just nothing else in the Canon lineup that does that. So if you need raw, you need a G9. 
Right. If you need big raw, you need a DSLR. If you need, you know, if, but if you need 12 megapixel raw that's coming from a compact camera, right. you don't mind a small sensor size, um, you know, and you can spend the 500 bucks or actually got mine at 469 I think, at Best Buy. Right. Um, then, and yes, I paid for it. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, I, I, my, my opinion is the G9, but it boils down to what well, you're going to do. And, and one of the things that uh, we had some questions about related to this, uh, related to the, uh, choosing these cameras, is, uh, uh, and I looked at the specs for the, for the SD870. I think that the, the big differences are the SD870 is a little bit thinner, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a little easier to pop into your pocket, while the G9 will fit into my, my, uh, my G9 pocket it just barely you know it's <laughs> which it, means that the, the the other the small one will fall out of my hand right right yeah so the smaller one is is is, is going to fit in your front pocket it's going to be um it's uh, or your or your uh, uh your shirt pocket very very easily uh it is uh, it, it does not do raw and i and that's huge a, that's huge it's a big deal for me i mean i and the reason that i get into it a lot of times is if i don't like the white balance later yeah that's the big thing is it's, it's not just because i need more data but if i don't like the white balance later having that raw image means i get to go back and fix that i just shot an entire uh concert and was looking at my images and wasn't really i was doing it so fast i was just sort of glancing and um there was a red light on the stage and i realized that when i got home that the entire time i was shooting with outdoor white balance but since i was shooting raw i just switched it all back to i mean and you can change jpeg color balance but the difference is you're working with data that's baked into the image already and it's not as flexible so we, we like the g9 because it does raw files and and it it's a 12 megapixel compact camera for under 500 bucks right you know it, 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 to me it's stupefyingly good at that price point yeah I expected it to be eight hundred bucks, right? Especially if you need something that's in that's what you're going to put in your pocket. Yeah. I mean, that's the my my thing is is, is something that I'm going to carry around with me, and I carry my G9 around everywhere. Yeah. Um, hey, let's ask Steve a question. Steve, do you know if yeah. Ni- Nikon makes a compact camera that shoots raw? Well, you know that's been uh, one sort of um, pet peeve. I think a lot of people have. They came out with the uh, I think it's the P5000, and then they updated it to the P5100, which is a beautiful little camera. It's a lot smaller than the G9. Um, it takes beautiful images, and I've seen on various uh, discussion groups, people argue that, you know what, I, I don't need the G9, but it doesn't shoot RAW. And I think one good reason for always having RAW is you just don't know when that million-dollar shot's going to hit. But when right. it does, if you have it in RAW format, you can really finesse it to make it as, as you know, the best possible thing. And, and, you know, maybe you won't have your DSLR when, when you know, Elvis and the spaceship lands and all that kind of stuff. So you want to be able to have something that you can use in a, in a, in a big way, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just wanted to bring that up because I didn't want to be accused of being a Canon fanboy. Right, and, and, and I have to say that the... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is is that you have... When you look at $500 now, you're really deciding, I want a compact camera because at $500, you can get a 40X with a 50 millimeter or a, or a Rebel for, with a 50 millimeter. Well, maybe a little bit more than five, uh, but in that neighborhood. I mean, I, I actually spec it, I spec it out for my sister. One, uh, well, one not, of the newest, not the newest Rebel. Well, no, the older... Couple, no, well, one, the, the low-end Rebel right, right. You can, yeah. is now street price is like 369 370 Really? Yeah, for the body only, okay. and uh, and then you can buy an eighty dollar fifty millimeter, and you're gonna get a you're gonna yeah, uh, get the same great price range great photos, it. you know, at at, at five hundred dollars. But you're not gonna be able to put it in your pocket. It's not gonna be around you all the time. That's the for me the five hundred dollar range. Now the other thing about the the eight seventy, of course, is two hundred and eighty bucks or two hundred. Yeah, that's, that's the big it's, difference. It's, it's much it's much cheaper. So um, it's a little as a little bit smaller. Uh, I. I I'm sure that it, it does a great job, um, like anything in the two or three. All the Canon range. compact cameras do a great job. Yeah. But if you were serious right. about your photography, and, and, comp- and you want a compact camera, and you're looking at something that maybe you know you could get a little bit more adventurous, if you're not used to doing things manually, um, right. you know you can you can you can do things like um, exposure correction on this camera you know there's exposure compensation just right. like on the big dslrs right i mean you can actually see that data the live histogram yeah. still blows me away every time i see it i'm like right. oh in real time superimposed over my image in the viewfinder is a histogram which is like the best meter i can find because it's telling yeah. me right now whether or not i'm clipping the white and it's, and it's and it's not it's not a guess it's 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 telling it's not like we, us going out with a meter and putting out yeah. and it's t- saying this is where you're at it and i don't know steve have you ever heard of this i i just found a guy who's a, a large format shooter who uses mm-hmm. a g9 as his light meter <laughs> 
Wow. Have well, you ever heard I mean, of anybody doing something like that? Uh, that I have not. I have not. But, he goes um, out with a point and shoot. He makes an exposure. Looks at you know. Looks at the light. You see how looks it at the looks. histogram. And then he and then that's he sets his exposure on the on the big camera and goes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess there's still some other formula things that you some math you have to do when right. you go from the little guy yeah, to that's, the. Yeah, that's the true. Big but but it gives him it lets him know where the scene is. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Another, another yeah. question we had here, and I thought this was this one would be interesting only because Steve is about to go to Rwanda and I go to uh, Southern Africa a lot. Um, this is from. Um, I'm going to make sure I say this name correctly. Michael Mistretta. Um, uh, and uh, he said, I'm going to Zambia, uh, Africa, uh, uh, for a month uh, this summer with my Nikon 40, uh, D40X. The problem is I want that um, I shoot in RAW, of course, and, uh, and I won't have access to my computer for a month, which I just... I don't even know what to do with that. I, got, I can't, I can't yeah. even think straight. Um, <laughs> I, I expect, I'm expecting to take three or 4,000-ish photos, uh, as well as four hours of HD video. Uh, I have, he has a Panasonic HDC SD5, which is a good camera. Um, doing the math, he said, I think I, he would need a 32-gigabyte SD card for his camera and a 32-gigabyte uh, SD card for the Nikon uh, 40X. And he's saying that's you know pretty pricey, uh, three hundred fifty dollars. Uh, so it'd be seven hundred dollars total. Uh, he's asking about portable HD, HD, you know, portable hard drives. Uh, how how does he handle storage? What what do we suggest, Steve? Do you have any uh, specific suggestions there? Um, well, I mean, when I've done that in the past, I uh, I mean, I it's hard to know if he's just not going to be without his computer or if electricity is going to be the the issue because if there's no electricity, um, that could be trouble. Even if you have one of these um, the tanks that will allow you to download your compact or sorry your SD cards too. But that's exactly what I would take is I had uh, the old Epson, I think it was 2000, I think they've P2000. updated it now. Yeah, yeah. And, or even the, I forget which one it was, but it worked very well. I mean, it was a little slow to download, but it hold 40 gigs worth of um, images. And when you don't have access to your computer, you want to be able to clean off your cards. Um, the idea of having a 32 gig card with a whole month's worth of photography is, is very frightening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would buy, if you're going to go that route, I would buy smaller cards. Yeah, I, I pretty much max out at four gigs. That's about as many photos as I want in one place. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have finally made the leap to some eight gig cards. Mm -hmm. uh, that I, I only did that like at least a year after eight gig cards were out. Right. Using the eggs in one basket theory is my concern. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I'd go with you know, four eight gig cards uh, and and I mean I've been to Africa too, and I mean I remember having expired batteries in my photo vest and throwing them in a trash can and watching guys dive for them because yeah, yeah. even expired <laughs> batteries have value in Africa. And you know it wasn't like I could run to Seven Eleven and get some more double A's. And another thing that I have to say that I that I have a tendency to do now uh, when I'm in Africa is if I walk away from any of my equipment, especially now that I have all these little compact flash, you know, cards and everything else, I tend to take those with me. Yeah, it's even e even it's if, I, if I leave it at my house or whatever, I pull, I don't care when I'm going through security or, or customs or whatever I'm doing, I don't care about the equipment. All I care about are the photos that I took there. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, yeah it's my recommendation would be avoid the, 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 the image tanks and such if you're going to a place like that because as Steve said if you don't know you're going to have electricity it won't do you any good can't readily buy batteries in lots of places in Africa um, the, the compact flash cards uh, you know while spendy they'll last for a long time and you'll never have to worry about batteries or electricity they're much more compact you can carry them in a small wallet around your neck you know, uh, it, that's what I would. That's what I the, would do. The other thing that I would I would look at, and I, this may, this is adding more to expense. But remember, you can get a, a used uh, G4 Mac or or a, or a little iBook or whatever for hundreds of dollars. You know, three or four hundred dollars. If, if it's a matter of weight, then don't take it. But uh, having a computer that you can get there, you can look at the photos, you can also upload them. I I tend to upload a lot of my photos while I'm in Africa. Um, they're not the raw photos, but they're corrected. You know, so I've made the corrections and I've uploaded the full res files in JPEG uh, to to a to a server. Uh, and the reason I do that, I do that usually almost every day, sometimes as long as every two or three days, just because uh, I am always looking at worst case scenario. Well, you and you go places where there's bandwidth. Is there bandwidth where you're going to be in Rwanda? <laughs> uh, uh, 
Oh, for me, yeah, actually, Rwanda has um, a lot of bandwidth. Yeah, you know, Rwanda is one of those uh, progressive places in Africa that's really um, building their infrastructure. Um, actually, last time I was there, I ran into, I ran into, I, I saw Ben Affleck was in the uh, Internet Cafe there. So I don't know. That's Rwanda not actually there. Is the, almost every major city in Rwanda. Uh, uh, or any, any major uh, town in, in Rwanda is going to have fiber within the next year or two. Well, it's, I'm glad a, to know that because I just got an email from Rwanda saying I won the Rwandan lottery. And, and <laughs> I'm going to head out over there now. I, I, think it's, I think it's a good deal. I think it's, it's, it's advantageous. So, yeah, so it's, um, anyway, Zambia is, I think Zambia is not as well connected. I think also the issue that you'll have is it's probably pretty expensive. Everything in Lusaka is very expensive um, by, from my experience. And so the, uh, uh, that's the thing you have to kind of pay attention to. But I, as I said, I think if you went with multiple cards, I think that's probably, that's what I would do. Uh, and you also find that those cards are a lot less expensive. You yes, know, they're, yeah, they're old absolutely. technology. Two gig and four gig cards are very inexpensive. I saw four gig cards someplace for 40 bucks the other day. Yeah. yeah. Our Amazing. sister, uh, Jenny, actually was just looking at, she was asking me the same question, should I go with a four gig or a two gig? And I was saying, I mean, I have, I have just a few two gig cards and that, that's enough for me. I don't, I don't want to go to Africa for a whole month and just shoot, but... Um, but she said that she was just getting the price was exactly the same for two four gigs or two two gigs, yeah. so she just went ahead with the yeah. Four. So that, those are those are going to be a lot less expensive because you're not paying for cutting edge technology. Uh, we got, we're going to have to we're going to have to close this stuff up, but we've got a couple things we've that got a few minutes here. Got a few minutes here. Uh, we've got um, next week. We've got Ryan. Uh, Brenizer? Well, we haven't. Con- he hasn't confirmed yet, but okay. we think he is going to be here. He's the Amazon photo columnist, and he's going to be on the show at some time. We hope next week. We to, hope to talk about the Nikon D3. Next week, we're going to either talk about the D3 or we're going to really, I, hopefully, we're going to get some guys on to talk about RAW. So it'll be either next week or the week after. Uh, we've had a lot of questions about that, about understanding RAW and how to how to put that together. And so I want to bring some guys that have really spent a lot of time on it, both on the technology end as well as the use end, and uh, we're going to kind of dig into that. Um, also, coming up on Monday, uh, I am going to be posting a how to build uh, HDR, uh, build an HDR image. So the shooting process and the uh, stitching pro- or the com- combining process of a high dynamic range image. Uh, it is something that is a bit of a mystery. And when we started playing with it in 2000 in the Pixel Core, uh, even then the visual effects industry it was unknown. Uh, and that, then it, over the next three or four years, it took the play, you know took our industry by storm. No one shoots anything but that when they're on set. Uh, it's starting to pick up. We're starting to see this 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 groundswell. So what we're going to do is try to keep everybody kind of on that edge and just show you what's coming. You don't have to do anything with it immediately, but it'll be something that you want to have in the back of your head because it's going to become a bigger and bigger issue over the next three to five years. Um, also, make sure if you have questions, ask them on the blog. Uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, uh, join the Flickr group. It's free. It's free. doesn't cost you a penny. We'd love we, to have we, you. We'd like to get that thing really going because, you know, there's so many talented photographers in our audience as evidenced by the work we saw in our very first photo assignment. You know, you guys can help each other. Yeah, you know, we, you don't need us to help. We we, we we want to help. We'll try to help, but you can help each other. And I've seen some good advice back and forth in those forums. Uh, they just we're just getting that started. So, the blog, the, the the forums, and and we're open to other ideas too. We want to we want to kind of turn this into a photographic mecca. Not at B&H. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also make sure to post, a, remember it's TWIP Ideas, so just tag your, your delicious tags, uh, TWIP Ideas, uh, and then we'll, take, we'll be looking through those as we prepare for uh, the next show. Um, any, uh, now, Steve, where can people find you on the web? Um, well, I think I'm still in that same spot, stevesimonphoto.com, Great. so they can find me there. Fantastic. And uh, Steve uh, started posting some, some uh, you had a great uh, photo example that was posted on the, on the blog. Uh, I thought that was fantastic, actually. Oh, thanks. Yeah, a little tip. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Scott's looking at me like, when are you going to get yours yeah, I, I mean, just, you know, just because I write something every single day, don't feel compelled, Alex. To, to hey, I wrote one last week. Thank you. I wrote one like, of course, it had nothing to do with photography. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, just so you know, we, we, I, I wrote a rebuttal to the, uh, the, the second highest request, other than how do I pick my camera, is, oh my um, is can we have an M- MP3 versus AAC? You would, you would, you know, I have people like cussing my, my name because of this. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you're evil. You haven't dunked Alex out of this 
idiotic policy yet. Well, we're not going to look at your podcast anymore. Because look, I'm sorry. We can't make everybody happy. No. We've picked a route. And in your post, you said you don't know if I 100% agree with you. And I'll just tell you, I don't 100% agree with you, but I do kind of like some percent agree with you because I see I see the advantage of trying to you know if we start to imp- here here's how you'll convince me right. if we start to take advantage of the podcast right. track and actually put some images in there I'll be convinced that the the iTunes version is the way to go because then we can really add value to the podcast and that's that's the plan within the, literally within the next month we're going to be okay. we're going to be posting the um, we're going to add interactivity so when you're listening to the podcast either on your iPhone or your or your iPod or, or your, or your computer TV. or your new Apple TV you'll see photos uh, of what we're talking about which I think I think it's hard to do a photo show without a without some photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we want to be able to put that in. If we started splitting it off, and, and the thing to remember is that ninety eight point five percent of of our listeners uh, download this through iTunes, and um, and another half of that remaining one point five percent are 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 downloading from a, a AAC compliant. Uh, right, right, right. Thing. So, so we know that every, most people have this and we want to add all these cool things and if we started splitting it up it makes it harder and harder for us to really innovate and so um, so anyway we just wanted to respond to that there's, there's a more detailed response on the, on the forums um, Scott do you want to push anyone in a certain direction there other than Twip Photo well you know Twip Photo is the blog that I run of course I, I also do several other podcasts one's called the Apple Phone Show I enjoy being on MacBreak Weekly with you Alex and Leo and Merlin and Andy and and um, maybe, you know, mention, um, got a brand new show I'm involved with. Mm-hmm. I'm the producer of. It's called The Game Council. <sighs> the Game Council. And uh, it's, it's all about video gaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, Greg Martin. Now, are you doing any special coverage for the um, we have, for GDC? We, we have people there today. At the, at the Game Developers Council, we got press passes, and and we I have, didn't get any press passes. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> and we have Maria, who was uh, part of our Girls Gone Geek cast. Mm-hmm. She is she is still part of the Girls Gone Geek cast, but she's now working with Greg. And mm-hmm. so there's there the that's a new show that people can can look at. Scott, do you ever sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I slept in uh, 1979, and I got tired of it. <laughs> I get that. I, I, what's ironic is I, I get that question more often. The better I get at delegating, I find. Yeah. So, that, you know, I get better at delegating, and it appears well, that I'm doing more than I actually am. And I have a staff, Steve, so I have help. Ah, okay, gotcha. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, do you have any of your stuff on the web? I have. Uh, I just joined the Flickr group, and I'm just uh, Joe. So it's. I think all the Flickr uh, URLs are just... Flickr.com slash photo slash the names and mine's just Joe Lindsay. And um, that's where they are right now. I'm still working on my own website, but there's some good photos up there too. Yeah, you got some good work. Yeah. Yeah. I can, you know. Got some skill. I want to put in a plug for Steve's new book because he's donating some of the some or all the proceeds, Steve. Yeah, actually all the uh, royalties to all the, the Stephen Lewis Stephen Lewis Foundation, which yeah. uh, helps uh, specifically um, grandmothers in Africa. Interesting. And uh, and AIDS in, in general, fighting AIDS in general. And that's, that's I, I, I can see, uh, it, the, is, the, is the angle that you have a lot of kids and a lot of grandmothers? Well, you know what the, the angle is, guys? You know, what, what's happened is, of course, that sadly, um, a lot of these grandmothers um, have had to bury their own children, and they're left with these little kids right. that they're raising in the 60s and 70s. And they have uh, various programs that helps these women who just sort of quietly persevere. Very inspiring um, to see, well, but, the, but also very sad. The images are, are compelling. I just wanted to tell you you did a good job on that. And what's the uh, what's the full name of the of the of the book? Uh, it's called Heroines and Heroes. Great. And that's on, that's an, is that avail- and that's available now? Yeah, it's available now through on my it. website or or on Amazon. Okay. Great. I think it's uh, a bestseller number one million two hundred and eighty six thousand. <laughs> so hopefully to jump uh, this week. We're gonna try to exactly. get you to one million point five hundred thousand here. That would be nice. There you go. Yeah, All right, everybody. Well, until next week, uh, go out and take some photos, and we'll uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>